our generation of women have been served up layer upon layer of diet culture, damaging diet culture information, well-meaning relatives and friends making comments about their looks for years and years, trashy magazines always (laughs) talking about, you know, picking apart someone's woman's cellulite, which is a perfectly natural thing through to the ridiculous lose 10 kilos by Saturday headlines. And so many of us, and myself included, have had to pick apart where has that all come from? Why is that what we think about ourselves? And it is layer upon layer of BS because that's not health. That's not self-love. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, I have the beautiful Nikki Parkinson with us. She's a businesswoman and an online community leader who truly does love helping women find and embrace confidence. She's 54 years of age, a former journalist turned blogger, author, and now fashion designer. At the core of all that she does is her love of helping and supporting women to find greater confidence through their everyday style and the life they lead. Styling You, a Queensland micro-business Telstra Business Award winner, has attracted sponsorship from national brands such as Frankie for Footwear, Allianz Travel Insurance and Priceline. You may have even seen her on television too. In 2019, Nikki launched her own fashion label, Styling You, the label, offering Australian-made, non-boring wardrobe basics that take the stress out of what to wear questions. She has long advocated for a disruption in the way that fashion is marketed to women. Styling You, the label, is the first label globally to invest in showcasing its designs on every size that it sells, from size 6 to 20. Not only does that increase customer confidence, but it flips the idea that fashion should only be seen on one size, height, age, colour, belief or ability. What I think you're going to particularly love about this beautiful soul is that she is incredible on her blog where she shares her style and beauty tips, but also her ongoing health journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'll make sure that link to her blog is in the the show notes. Nikki is also a very long-term friend of mine who helped me to launch not only 28, but our book, Like Chocolate for Women, the very first book that we launched here in Australia back in 2008. I'm really excited to share with you this beautiful soul. She really has been a mentor of mine for many years. I look up to her, I revere her, I treasure her, and I know you're going to get a lot out of today's beautiful self-love podcast. Please leave your comments and feedback on my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28, or you can go to my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training, or you can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. Take care, you beautiful soul. Thank you for being on the ride with me. I look forward to talking to you again very soon with more quickies and more interviews. All the best now.
And as you can tell, I am super excited today because not only do I get to interview one of Australia's most renowned styling professionals, but also she is considered for me one of my dearest friends. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, beautiful Nikki Parkinson. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. We were just laughing off here saying we should have a glass of champagne. Most of the times that we've caught up is always social. It's always fun. Even work can be seen as social. How on earth do you make work look like so much fun? um, Illusions. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the key to it is choosing work that, does bring you joy and I know that can sound a bit um, cliched but not every day is going to be fabulous in whatever job or business you run but definitely if your overall reason for doing it continues to bring you joy then it's worth getting up and doing I agree. I agree. You know, we met through work really many years ago when you were living on the Sunshine Coast. Perhaps you could give our listener a beautiful background as to how you got went from journalism into fashion, also and amongst all that event organizing, managing, supporting people. Talk to us a little bit about your history and how you are now considered one of Australasia's most esteemed businesswomen. Oh, that's very kind of you. Um, I feel like this is what more people's careers are going to look like coming forward. And I just happened to luck into a situation or a madness that saw me jump out of a very safe, sort of semi-safe working environment. Up until 2008, when I jumped out of journalism, it was a safe career option in terms of job security that was changing then and we've obviously seen a massive shifts in those last 13 so years so I feel like we're going to see more of this uh with people going I can change things I can I don't have to stay doing the same thing that I studied for or that I started my early career in And for me, it was a a combination of a whole lot of different things, but really a now or never moment in the year I turned 41 and thinking, is this it? Is this my working life? I really loved what I did. I just didn't love the politics around it. And it, it was just a very tricky work situation to manage with a young family and a husband who had started commuting to Brisbane, which was an hour and a half away on a good run from where we lived. And I just, I, you know what, if I thought too much more about it, I probably wouldn't have done it, but I just jumped. <laughs> and it was the best move I ever did. I'm certainly not doing what I thought I was going to be doing when I jumped out of my career but I was in the perfect position to evolve and pivot um, as social media became the force that it is today. So when you were in the media world, coming to the end of your career in 2008 in that world, you obviously saw the shift of a new world emerging to end up becoming blogger of Australia, you know, that you won that auspicious award. How soon after did you finish in 2008 before you got that award? And what made you really see the opening there? 
I think I just love a chat, Kim. <laughs> and um, I, and obviously I love communication and that was part of the journalism um, piece. But what I could see in 2008, Facebook had just, we were kind of, uh, quite a few of us had personal pages, but business pages had started. And this all chimed in beautifully with starting my own business. And I already knew in starting my business that I still wanted to be able to write and communicate with an audience and my blog definitely was that and then social media became the amplification of the blog and I was just not only the right place right time but also just hungry for a different way of sharing information and connecting with others I think that was what was missing from and it's different in journalism now because the, the conversations don't get me started on the comment sections of news articles but conversations are possible whereas in my 20-year career it was very much a one-way broadcast it wasn't starting a conversation and creating a community around it and that's what I could see and that's what excited me about the early days of social media and why I was enthusiastic about jumping on board. I was also working from home by myself and the fact that I could jump on Twitter or Facebook and talk to other people doing the same thing was brilliant. It certainly had a beautiful intent when we set out with these social media platforms and I'm sure they've always been about connecting and community and obviously collaboration and then contribution, all the different things that we all participate in. But you and I both know that there's been also a negative side to it. How has that shaped you to be more authentic or to make sure that your audience gets the real you? That's a really good question. I'm very fortunate that I've cultivated a community of like-minded women. That's mostly the community. And every so often you'll get an annoying, like a mosquito bite, I liken it to, of someone just being narky or snarky. And, you know, up until probably in the last couple of years, I used to just block and delete and just move on. But now I like to give them, I think it's the generational teachers in my family, a little lesson in playing nicely, Kim. Like, how about some nice manners? And I kind of will um, take a little high horse and reply back and just say, I really don't hope that you would talk to someone you met down the street or in a shop the same way that you've talked to me with this comment. And I think I see my role there is not to antagonize the person but to just make them stop and think that the next time they bring whatever is going on in their mind to the keyboard warrior status um, that they stop and think and go well actually a real person is behind that is on the receiving end of this so maybe that's not such a nice thing to do because I think the more in general, that you can promote kindness, the better. And I feel like the way social media exploded into our lives, a, a, a quarter, a section of the community thinks that just because they're behind a keyboard makes them somehow immune to good manners 
Yeah. My husband, as you know, is in the cricket world Mm. and commentates and he's quite eccentric and out there with his delivery and his style appeals to a lot of people, but it doesn't necessarily appeal to everybody. And I've always tried to teach my children, if you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say Mm -hmm. it at all. But there is something that happens on social media that people, I call it the white coat mentality. When someone puts on a white coat, they seem to think talking parking attendants and people that just do these sort of things that become quite gruff with you. But how have you then educated your community? Yes, you can do that with one person. Is there a set of rules? Is it just an unknown? Is it unspoken? Is it leading by example? How do you ensure that your community stays protective, embraceive, and inclusive of everyone? So that's, it's the culture. So it's like a workplace culture. It's me showing up with kindness and um, consideration every day and creating a safe space where other women can do the same because that's the other thing why I don't tolerate any nastiness in the community that I've built because I want women to feel safe to comment and leave an opinion uh, without feeling like it's going to be a stacks-on situation that makes them feel uncomfortable and you know, they're not public people. They're just being part of the conversation. So that's why it's always been important to me. So people know that. So I think they would get the gist of that even arriving as a new follower tomorrow. If they do a little bit of a scroll back on Instagram or Facebook, they would see that that's what I'm about. And you can do that. And conversely, there are plenty of forums on social media that cultivate nastiness and that's fine I don't want any part of those and I wish people can just go over and find those instead of bringing their version of life into the spaces that um, are just trying to create a beautiful community you do it so well, sweetheart. From the moment we met you way back in 2007 when I first had moved over here right through to now, one of the most amazing things you do is create an ability to be led and for us all to feel safe in your space. Mm-hmm. You also allow us to embrace who we are, which is why you were so encouraging of our book, Like Chocolate for Women, and mm-hmm. you emceed that launch and we did incredibly well with that book. And I just want to ask you then, that connection where you started up here on the Sunshine Coast, has that always been in you or have you learnt to, gr- to create that connection and community around you? Have you always been that kind of connector? I think I've always been, yes, in short, yes. I feel like for me it exploded when I started my own business and that was being able to connect and connect other business people together. And I love that. I, I, it gives me no greater joy than to go, oh, you need to meet so-and-so or have you heard that this person's doing this and I think that would be a perfect match for you. That becoming a woman owning my own and running my own business was one of the things that filled my cup and continues to fill my cup because I think it was something I craved in my previous career but there wasn't as many 
avenues for that to happen. And the sharing that can happen between, and I'm talking businesswoman to businesswoman in this situation, can be so rewarding because whenever you open yourself up to share, it comes back to you. Um, and I've only met a couple of businesswomen over the 13 and a half years who really like to hold on to every state secret or, you know, for fear that you might copy or I don't know. It, it just is a very strange mentality when I come across it because I'm the opposite of that. <laughs> you are. And it's funny you bring that up. Why do you think then it is a limiting um state of that human to not want to share is it I I was always taught after reading that book Think and Grow Rich that it's never about to have more of the pie that you've got to take from someone else it's actually about making the pie bigger so we all get a bigger piece is that how you feel and if so what is it that limits the people that don't do you think it's it's a it's a, a fear of scarcity I feel and I know we all can have that flow into our minds from time to time. Goodness, I woke up in the middle of the night last night with it again. (laughs) But I've got the tools and the understanding that that's the middle of the night worry and it's not the reality. And I feel like that if if someone doesn't want to share, and obviously there's things that are very confidential when you're running a business, but helping someone out comes back to you sixfold it doesn't take away from the pie it actually you're right it builds that pie and that is something you know to go and start a business in your middle years um it makes me wish that I'd done it sooner well you've certainly not only made up for lost time if that's the case but you've made an incredible statement in the Australian business world, particularly for women. Could you talk us through then how you went from being a community builder with Styling You, writing a book, and then creating this beautiful community to then in 2019 actually launching your own fashion label? I know that didn't come easily, and I certainly know that you've worked very hard for that, but inspire us as to how that came about. So it does come back to community. Everything, every aspect of my business was possible because of the community that I built, that I continue to build, that I nurture. Um, And we touched on it earlier. You touched on it that not everyone is going to like Danny, your husband, and not everyone's going to like me either. But I've only ever been myself. (laughs) So if I'm not your cup of tea or glass of champagne, then there are plenty of other places for you to go and be part of that community. So I've attracted like-minded women who might be in a similar stage of life, might be younger, might be older, but we all have a commonality that is around celebrating who we are as an individual and through clothes. So it's not a community for people who... Um, you don't have to be obsessed with fashion, but definitely for people who want to play um, with their style and how they present themselves to the world, how they um, honour who they are to the world. And that has been my key underlying um, message. Every woman is real and 
at any age, stage, size, background, belief, you there's power in how you choose to dress for a particular situation or simply for your mood. How did you go about then creating an actual label? I remember one day my children were watching me pack 28 orders. We were putting them all <laughs> together and they were, and Jacob was doing business at high school and he turned around and he goes, Mum, it's just hit me. How did you even start this? Where did you get these products? Where do they come from? How did you pay for this? And it was like, yeah, that big aha of the small steps all coming together. But it's a huge leap of faith, isn't it? I remember the launch of your first label, the first beautiful um, designing styling that you launched. Could you tell us how that came about, how nervous you were? Tell us the truth. Did you really, were you awake in the middle of the night with that one too? Yes, of course, launching a label coincided with the latter perimenopausal years of my life, not knowing that at the time because you never know you're there or near the end of the perimenopausal years till till you've got through them. So, yes, a lot of anxiety. Um, Then, of course, disruptions from COVID for the last two years. Uh, (laughs) You have to come back to your why a lot, Kim. So, yes, how do you start it? Any product-based business is not as simple as just showing up and opening up a course or or your time for um, for coaching or anything like that. You've got to have um, some financial means behind it and you've got to take a risk because it's a permanent guessing game about how much product to buy so that you have enough to keep selling but don't get left with things that aren't selling. (laughs) I'm laughing at myself the whole time because, honestly, like everything I've done in business, I just keep learning. I'm very fortunate in the situation with my label that I um, was approached by an Australian label manufacturer. Ali Leonard um, has a philosophy label. She didn't own it at the time, but she does own it now. And she said, this is how it could work. So she and her team, who are just based in Sydney, really have, it's like having a mentor and a business partner in one uh, because knowing where to start would have been impossible and I didn't have the time to do my own research for that. So this facilitated that all happening. So I'm really, you know, it's such a beautiful relationship and and we're hoping that we can see each other in person again soon. She just is such a wonderful friend and and, and has such deep industry experience that it, I'm so grateful for um for that otherwise I'd still be working on trying to launch something well, I think it comes back to not only community but then the opportunity with collaboration and I'm sure that beautiful Ali saw in you the biggest possibility from her perspective as well because not only are you incredible at gifting your community with a real sense of love and belonging and also acceptance I think something that you really promote well is self-acceptance And I'd love for you to talk to us a little bit about, maybe you even have a story of someone who has maybe not felt so great, but then has bought your clothes 
and somehow it's made a massive difference in their life. I'm sure you get many stories and comments, but is there anything that stands out in particular that you'd love to share with us? Well, I had one incident. Like I get emails all the time and messages, and this is seriously why why I do what I do. Like when you have those middle-of-the-night moments of, of anxiousness and and you go, so what is it? Because really, did the world need another clothing label? <laughs> Probably not. Um, but it's it's a vehicle for my message. And I got a beautiful um, message yesterday and then I've just pulled it up so that because that was front of mind with me. And it's from one of our regular customers and um, she said, Midlife has thrown me a changed body, but I want to embrace it and feel good and not hide away. Thank you for creating a beautiful range. I feel good wearing and look forward to purchasing. It, I just want women to feel good. And obviously, I'm in my mid 50s now. I'm 50, you know, 54. I don't know why I'm hiding. I would never hide away from my um, age. And women are no longer invisible in these years and clothes can be such a tool to help you feel visible and 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 that starts from feeling great yourself and that is why the label is so important to me so I will create clothes that I love to wear that accommodate curves at any size whether it's a size six with curves or 20 with curves a lot of labels just go bigger and it's not about helping your body to feel good nothing I make or approve is uncomfortable to wear because life is too short to wear uncomfortable clothes and I just want people to reach for them and know that they will feel put together and get on with their day so that they can shine in whatever they're doing. Tell us a little bit about each range that you bring out then. What exactly makes up one of your launches or one of the actual ranges that you release? So the backbone of the collection is our core pieces, our non-boring basics. And these are the things that are designed to make your life easy in that morning routine that you don't have to think about it. You can just pop them on and you know you'll feel put together. And then we do seasonal releases of what I call our show pony pieces and whether that's got a colour, print, um, sequins. Sequins are a big hit in our community. Um, they come in and just top up and freshen up your wardrobe and give you that choice. But the backbone of it are those basics. And that is what we launched with and what we continue with. Now, something can launch as a show pony piece or a new style. And if it sells well, then it becomes part of our core collection and then we probably do it in other colours. So that's, um, that's in a nutshell how we work. We're not trying to, we're made in Australia. Um, so we're not ordering thousands of quantities of units. We are running an ethical and sustainable business and not we're trying to avoid being part of the global oversupply of fashion problem which obviously the easiest way to avoid that is to not do a fashion label altogether 
but we're very conscious that I've always talked to people about mindful shopping. So it's not about having everything. It's about having everything in your wardrobe that works for you. And that's where we are. And all the way through our um, cycle in terms of the fashion piece is that we've got a bicep sell group where people can on-sell pieces that no longer fit them or that they just want to on-sell them. We've got that's a little subset of community. And we also have ties to a couple of um, organisations that help women get back into the workforce with a styling session and clothes. So there's never a case of where we're just um, adding our clothes to landfill. They're always going to have a cycle that that means that someone is going to get the benefits out of them. Clothing is just really <laughs> the icing on the cake for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's the vehicle to the message. And, and, and a lot of women who because I've been talking about what to wear and styling for the 13 well when I was a fashion journalist as well but more importantly direct to women for 13 and a half years and we people there's a, there's a small section of the community or, or, or the population who just have a knack for putting together an outfit to suit their style but most people, it's something, myself included, that I just play with um, and I'm giving women permission to play so that they can um, find the style that suits them today, might not suit them tomorrow, that makes them feel confident to do whatever that day takes on. And that, that's, that's the thing to unlock and it's, and it's, it's that giving permission to have a play with your style. I love it. I mean, your book, Unlock Your Style, is just such a beautiful, easy to follow and easy to read book on how to actually put pieces together, but also how to truly love who you are. And what mm. I do enjoy about your work is that you include and accept all. I'd love to ask you then, do you think that part of styling you is about loving you? Oh, absolutely. Because I think that's a daily practice as well. Um, you taught me so much over the years about that, but I don't think you. Uh, it's a it's a mental exercise that you've got to keep employing, isn't it? Um, you just it's not like you wake up one day and go, "Oh, I love every aspect of my body. Look at me go." No, <laughs> just there's you know you could let your mind pick apart almost everything and I've got quite vocal over it particularly over the last year or so because I find that our generation of women have been served up layer upon layer of diet culture damaging diet culture information well-meaning relatives and friends making comments about their looks for years and years trashy magazines always talking about you know picking apart someone's woman's cellulite which is a perfectly natural thing through to the ridiculous lose 10 kilos by Saturday headlines and so many of us and myself included have had to pick apart where has that all come from why 
is that what we think about ourselves? And it is layer upon layer of BS because that's not health. That's not self-love. That's actually the opposite of those things. What is your definition of self-love then? It is nurturing the person I am today. What can I do to make me feel whole and nurtured? And I say today because tomorrow I might need something completely different. I've become, and this is a lot that I've learned from from you over the years, I've become very aware of the essentials that I need and that's definitely changed. I'm officially in menopause now and you it, things things definitely over the last few years have been quite um, fun. <laughs> but, it, but because of the work I did with you early on um, uh, in our connection together, I was more aware of, hey, What's going on here? Why is the way I exercised making me feel worse now when last year that was exactly what I needed? And it's that awareness of what your body needs and what you might need to change that that is, I think, is the key to self-love. Um, and for me, that was stopping the hit sessions and running and switching to walking and yoga. That was what I needed to do my body was kind of rebelling against the other and for someone else it's it's different again and I feel like that is the key to self-love it's the self-awareness of what your body needs in that moment sleep good food less champagne um, the right exercise the, the way to move for your body you need to always be aware, is that the right thing for today? What do I need to do today? So beautifully answered and such an important key message really for all of us. And I've probably learnt the same thing too, Nikki, going through menopause and all of those things is that whilst when we're young we can bounce back after a bit too much champagne or, or, or maybe doing too many hard hit sessions, but I do love that as we as we get older, we get wiser. And if we can embrace that wisdom as we age, then we become beautiful examples to our children. How have your children um, embraced all of you and what you've done over this last 13 and a half years? How have they come to be who they are thanks to you? Oh, goodness. I don't. I don't naturally take take credit for what my kids, and I'll just explain. Um, I have a 26-year-old son, a 25-year-old daughter, and a 16-year-old son. Um, I just, they are their own human beings. That's very, that's very obvious. Um, they are their own people. And I've always seen myself as the facilitator of their life. Um, we obviously talk and we have connection, but it's it's been their journey. Goodness, that word journey. I feel sorry for journey, don't you? It's been used so much, but it is. It's their journey and how they step up to life. So if anything, they've just seen 
the way I've changed and not been afraid to change up things. And both my adult kids have, um, my son definitely changed up several times before he's very content and happy in the Navy as an officer now. Um, And my daughter is about to make her first career change going back to university next year to add another qualification on to her psychology that she's already done. So there, if anything, and I've never asked them whether that's because of what they've seen me do, but giving them the what you, you can't be what you can't see. So I've always said you don't have to stay in something just because you're in it. So maybe that has flowed on. And with um, Flynn, he's going into year 11 next year. So he's, it's this beautiful, wide open realm of possibility, um, what happens there. And I think I'm more relaxed than I would have been when the other two were finishing high school, not that they really gave me much grief, because I just know the world is going to keep changing so much that we don't even know what their future careers options are going to be because they haven't even been invented. I remember attending a businesswoman's event down in Brisbane a few years ago and they had faces of like 12, 13-year-olds and they were all, you know how they put a picture up and the person, they're all saying the same thing, but they weave together all these faces and it just, they were saying, you know, watch out for us. There's careers mm. coming that you've not even heard of yet that we'll be doing. Be mindful of us. We can make or break your business with the ways mm. that we we support you or don't support you on social media. Be mindful of what you're teaching us because we will lead the way at some point. And I think sometimes as adults, we forget just how incredible, I know that wasn't seen as a threat, it was really more about just how impactful our children, the next generation will be with what we're doing today. How have you navigated through these incredible changes over the last two years where so many feel their wings have been clipped, their freedoms are taken, choices have been made for them that once in the past Maybe we're under under the illusion we always had control over, but certainly life has changed and you mentioned it just previously. How have you mentally and emotionally navigated through this time while still staying a leader in your family and your business? The biggest thing I've had to do, and I actually started seeing a psychologist for the first time um, just over a year ago, and I don't know why I hadn't sought out a psychologist in the past. It would have saved a lot of uh, angst over the years, but everything just came to it. I didn't realise I was in the last year of perimenopause, and I'd tell you that last year was a fireball of everything and it coincided with the first year of COVID. So it, um, I needed to do something and I'm really glad I did. And in a nutshell, like most of us, I don't deal well with uh, the unknown and my inability to plan for the unknown. So in the last 12 months, that is the work that I've had to do 
on myself is to, I still make plans, but I've had to get very okay with those plans potentially changing. Um, And I know I'm not alone in any of that, but there were underlying factors with me that made it more difficult for me to cope with change. And I'm really glad that I finally unpacked that very deep um, personal uh, thing and it's actually helped me. It doesn't make every day wonderful, but it does help me to realise um, that that I can only control the controllable. So true. Do you think then, if, if you don't mind us going there, losing your mum and what you went through all those years ago, is that part of the unravelling, the healing, the ongoing journey for you as a part of this? Or do you think that's separate to what you've been going through over the last year or two? Totally wrapped up together. But the thing that my psychologist helped me understand was my mum drowning 26 years ago in a week, couple of weeks' time, was and my stepdad at the same time that wasn't the time she left me it was the time uh when I was six and she left the family and we lived with dad and that was the first time anyone had said had probably really cracked open when my um when I first got this feeling of people leave and I, and I had this belief that everyone leaves <laughs> so because of that. And I always thought it went back to the, um, the time of the death, but the very clever psychologist said, no, it goes back to when she left the family and left you. And, you know, there were a whole lot of reasons around that, but that doesn't change the way you might feel and what you've carried on into every aspect and every stage of your life. So definitely was all wrapped up together and and it took the tipping point of everything last year to make me do the work or open the pathways for me to do the work and I'm so glad I did. So I see my psychologist now for maintenance and I love that concept. I love that you don't just go in a crisis. You don't just go when the fires are burning. You go to do the back burning. That's not my quote. That's from someone who's a lot smarter than me and I can't remember their name, but it makes so much sense. And and I'm I'm kind of like that person who's now the evangelical um, uh, champion of, of having a psychologist. Well, we we see, you know, PTs if we want to get fitter. Yep. We see dietitians or nutritionists yep. if we want to eat better. We have business coaches. We have all sorts of amazing people that do things better than us that continuously can be our own mentors. I do believe one of the greatest roles we can ever have on this planet and before we go is to say we never stopped learning. We never stopped being a work in progress. And I think the maintenance side of psychology, coaching, mentoring, any aspect of our health is considered to me one of the most important. I remember hearing a quote, health is your greatest asset. And it wouldn't matter how wealthy you are, how busy you are, how many launches and labels you have without your health, 
you aren't going to last long. So could you give us some tips on what you do to keep yourself healthy apart from your beautiful psychology maintenance? (laughs) Yeah, and so true. Like I just, as someone who's always been a lifelong learner, what, what held me back from reaching out to see a psychologist I'm I'm, so I hope if anyone's listening today that they don't hold on to any notion that it makes you a weaker person because it is exactly what you said it is about having the people in your in your corner that you can reach for um, for any aspect of your health so for me it's definitely moving my body Um, there is no greater way to practice that body acceptance piece than getting up and moving your body in some way. So find a way that you enjoy moving your body. Sleep. Oh, my goodness, sleep. I love sleep. (laughs) Sleep is the, the thing that I am constantly striving to, to get, get good. Get good, good, get good sleep, um, and that in the perimenopause and menopausal years is trickier, but it's a goal because if I wake up having had a very beautiful, restful sleep, then I can pretty much do anything that day. If I don't, it's like an incredible fog. I um, we haven't really talked about it, but I've had lifelong health problems that date back to glandular fever as a 23-year-old that rolled on to chronic fatigue syndrome, that rolled on to Hashimoto's, um, a thyroid condition. So these are things that I've lived with. And the thing is they've helped me to become more aware of what my body needs and to know when it's been depleted in some way. So I've that's how I don't dwell on them, but they help me to be a healthier person because I'm aware of what my body needs um, to feel incredible. So moving your body and sleep are two Mm -hmm. incredibly powerful things as well as an awareness around how you're feeling, your body, the things that it's endured and the things it continues to challenge you with. What else? I know nutrition is big for you. Yeah, and that was probably meeting you um, and the whole like chocolate for women philosophy in your book. It was a very good mindset switch for me because I was very much uh, attuned to the diet culture that came before me, that was part of my psyche up until that point, which is not nutrition. Diet culture is not nutrition. It it doesn't necessarily look at what food you're putting into your body. And, And you helped me to flip that in looking at food that's not processed, whole food. It's really quite simple now. It, it, it wasn't even a big leap from um, the way I saw food um, back then, but definitely now it's it's a no-brainer. It's fresh fruit and vegetables. Um, I'm someone who loves um, meat, so there will always be that, and definitely in my perimenopausal years, keeping up the iron was hard because it would go in and then it would go out. Um, but 
definitely whole foods. I love to cook. My husband and I will cook together most nights and eat good food that tastes good. I've got, I have no time for crappy food that doesn't taste good. So you can pull it back down to those three simple things, whole food, moving your body and getting good sleep. I agree. And I'm going to throw your beautiful, gorgeous husband, Kester, under the bus here <laughs> because there's one other I'm going to add to your list. <laughs> and many years ago, your husband emailed me for buckets, not just a 10 mil bottle, but oh. buckets of our beautiful blend, Romance and Intimacy. And that blend is the oil blend we created for actually the intent was it for self-love. But we also know that to be romantic can also, you know, include a partner. And I am definitely, he is the one that I share on stage whenever (laughs) I'm speaking as to my biggest customer. And I just want to share with you because essential oils, you gave me the courage. Whilst I know you've said I've helped you on, on some levels, which I feel so humbled about, but I think it's a duality because I would never have done what I've done and continue to do what I do had I not had that platform of belief and someone like you pushing, poking, prodding, and sometimes leading, hugging, and holding me to get to where I got to. And your love of oils, your support of the oils, and my beautiful business is something that I publicly just want to acknowledge you for. You were the first person to say to me, do it. You're the first person who put her hand up to be at the launch of 28 when my whole world had come crumbling down and we'd lost nearly everything. And yet you were the one that emceed and, and held me together. And I just want to say, I've never said it publicly before, but just how much that meant to me, beautiful Nikki. And, you know, I think you, we probably don't realize just how much we belong to what I call the the mass, the mutual admiration society, but styling you in 28 has been a big part of my journey. And whilst I may not always be in the shop buying because I have to put some things um, down to restraint and discipline, but I just, I'm always championing you and I want to thank you for always championing me. But special shout out to that gorgeous husband of yours because unbeknown to him, he is probably the biggest purchaser of romance and intimacy. (laughs) (laughs) And I just want to say your your use of those little rituals, bathing, um, making your home beautiful, using oils, a diffuser, taking the body boost ritual on, all of those things also, um, I would call it, and I'm going to just reframe it for us here and now, but I'd call all of that aromatic dressing. Whilst you dress us with style, I also think that we aromatically dress. And just want to know how much the oils have impacted you and your world over the last decade or two. Definitely couldn't imagine life without them. And and as soon as you mentioned romance and intimacy, I the, it's the olfactory system, isn't it? It just completely remit, like the scent is there for me, even though I don't have it um, in front of me. Um, focus and clarity, that, was, that got me through my book tour in 2014. In fact, I have the original, I think I hope I still have the original bottle that I had because it actually got chewed by the lid got chewed by a dog baby mac's dog who's a puppy at the time and and it was just like a point in time <laughs> and there's my little bottle of is it focus and clarity clarity and focus yes yes focus yes and clarity 
And so that just anchors me back to that time and any time, and obviously there's a lot of speaking, um, any time that I need that, that that goes on. Um, instant calm and anxiety. Hello. Thank you. Yeah, really, really helpful. And they're probably the three. Oh, immune boost. Goodness, how could I forget immune boost? I can, those, those blends and those names, as soon as I say them, I know exactly the smell. I've got it. It's just so powerful and definitely part of that self-awareness and tools and rituals to to help you through whatever part of the day it's going to help you through. Um, well, can you please hug Kista for me tonight and I remind him? Um, what a special hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, was, I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm sure he'll read that. <laughs> As you um, as you're sitting in your beautiful office, you had to pivot this year. By was did you close down your external office and have to come back into the home? How did you navigate that pathway from going out and then pulling back in again? So it's an interesting um, situation, isn't it? Running your own business, we outgrew at home just before COVID and the first lockdown happens, and had moved to nearby premises. At that time, I had like four or five people coming here. So that's a lot of different energy coming into your home every day. Um, It was way too much. Little did we know within two months that that whole space where the business was downstairs was going to have to be Kester's office. And it still is. He's working majority still from home. And then I had a two-year lease on these premises. We were doing all our own picking and packing from there and holding all the stock there but for the last year we've worked with an amazing small business focused warehouse and they do all that so we don't need that size and I really had to look at everything the other thing that everyone has got so good at in the last two years is online shopping so we had fewer people come through the showroom in Brisbane than we did last year when we were actually physically closed for two months. So it actually made no business or financial sense to keep that particular premises open. Um, Our customers are also based all around Australia. We've got more customers in Victoria and New South Wales than we do in Queensland. So I need to be able to take the show on the road. And when you're tied to a physical premises like that, then that's harder. So it's been a reduction in staff and the two of us left will be working remotely but coming together in a co-working space one day a week. It just feels lighter and more agile and more nimble because, again, I can't control the uncontrollable, but I can be light on my feet um, to be able to move with whatever the future holds. I just love that and I really appreciate your honesty here because so many people have really struggled Mm. and I just would really love to hear what is your piece of advice to people out there that have been really trying to navigate and pivot through these times as a businesswoman, a mum, a wife, a friend, a daughter, all of the things that you are, what would be your advice to the beautiful Self Love Podcast listener to keep going through these times because it doesn't seem like it's over anytime soon 
No. Um, my word for next year, for 2022, which I'm starting already, is just simplify. Like what aspects of your life feel so full that it's overwhelming? And for me, it was a bigger stuff. It was a bigger premises. Um, I, I just wanted to simplify. So it was from a business perspective, but also from that simplification um, perspective. And I feel like you could apply that to every aspect of your life. So how can I simplify this so that if something happens that's out of my control, I'm less affected or I have to change not in such a great, greater way. Um, and that's just where I've got to. And it feels so light compared with, and everyone's different. The other thing that came to me this year is not every business, you don't have to start a business to be massive. You can start a business to have a, be able to fulfill your purpose and earn a living that makes you feel comfortable. And everyone's different on those kind of levels. And that has just been a wonderful revelation in the simplification process as well. I love it. Simplify and bring it back to you and your heart. Do you do daily intentions? What do you do every day you wake up as you get out of bed and you do your rituals? But what is your focus around being a businesswoman? How do you set your intention? <sighs> Um, most, you know, at, at the, I'll, this is what I do on a Sunday afternoon. I look at the whole week, I plan it out, um, break down what's booked in, what work has to be done. So that's kind of out of my head and into a, into a bit of a roadmap for the week. I try to journal every day, Kim, but sometimes I don't. Um, and I've forgotten today now that you've mentioned it. Um, but I find because I'm a writer, I find writing things out, whether that is goals, intentions, feelings, just writing. I don't read back on it. I just write. And that's just something that works for me. Having that framework that's all planned out, that is a great start to me. And yes, obviously things change, but I'm not blindly going into every day. I, go, I wake up, I um, do my exercise, have my coffee, and then go, okay, what are we doing? And I, without that worrying feeling, because I've already mapped it all out. I think one of the things you taught me was also um, regularity, like making sure that what you do is consistent and you're persistent with that consistency and never giving up on that persistency because at some point you do hit a tipping point and it might feel like it's going on forever and ever and nothing's happening but then there's these beautiful boosts and you have aligned yourself with a couple of amazing businesses here's a chance for us to shout out to not only styling you and your community but is there anyone else you'd love to shout out to in this moment who have supported you on the journey or also collaborated with I, oh, singling out people, probably the biggest collaboration that I've done as part of my business that I'm, I love being part of is Frankie Four Footwear. Um, it's health for your feet, but stylish shoes. And I've been associated with their business, not since day one, but for eight years and I'm an ambassador and their ethos of their business and what they've done um, 
for women's health in footwear is incredible and it's a female husband and wife business but female-led and so many amazing women um, on the team. And they've just been such an inspiration to me as a business but also a really incredible business to be aligned with and that's been something incredible. Um, Over the years, different business organisations have definitely been such a huge part of me learning. I had no idea about running a business, still don't, make it up as I go along. And really, that's not such a bad thing in many ways. But I, um, Sunshine Coast Business Women's Network, an early mentoring program that I did not only allowed me to meet some incredible women um, like Min Swan, um, but also the mentors who mentored us helped me through some pretty tricky stages in the early parts of my business. And then um, Business Chicks has been incredible and I was part of um, a now defunct program called Power Players where, again, I met and worked with a beautiful, incredible group of women who from different fields, um, we just had a meet-up, a social meet-up last week. So much respect. Every, pretty much every businesswoman who I've been in contact with over 13 and a half years has has given me something, inspiration, ideas, support, knowledge, um, and I can't get enough of it. And that's what I won't stop. I'll still continue to meet people, um, look at different organisations, look for inspiration in different areas. If there's something in my business that I'm not, kind of got a handle on and I want to either outsource it or know more about it, then I'll find the people to do it um, or to learn more. Google is a wonderful thing and there is always someone there to help and support you if you continue to make connections and you go looking for them. Love it. And finally, I just want to check in with you. When you release a a beautiful um, season or a, a, a show pony, as you call it, any of the show ponies, you name them. Is that because yeah. of the people that are in your world and it's named after them? Is that what that's about? Every piece that is in our collection has been named after a real person a real woman. Kester keeps asking when there's going to be the Kester and I'm going, well, that's a bit strange, isn't it? Um, But they're named after real people. They're either people who have influenced me, um, customers, friends, family, and I do try to match the pieces to the person themselves. Um, And because we, we, we use the name so often that I just would not like to just pull random names out of the hat. It just they, they become they don't become people to me, but they have an identity, and it's just fun. So you know that when you buy a piece from us, it has been named after a real person, and I feel like there's a, a bit of energy associated with that as well. That's a beautiful energy too, and I've certainly loved posing in the few pieces that I've bought and sending you little photos of me in my backyard. 
I just love it. And the quality is incredible. I love the names of them. I do imagine a person behind the brand or a character or an identity. And I absolutely love that about what you do. There is such meaning, such soul and such heart in all of your business and all of your your life, really, your philosophy for living is second to none. As we come to a close, I would just love to know, do you, if people wanted to follow you, if they wanted to be a part of your community, is it easy? Can you give us the guidelines as to where we can go to be a part of your world? Probably easiest is just Google Styling You or you'll find me at Styling You on everything and the label is at Styling You the label. But my good old blog still exists. I feed it quite regularly with content. It has all the relevant links to the social media platforms and our label and it gives you a bit of an insight into um, the way of my my philosophies, my messages, and whether they resonate with you at all. Um, That's probably the easiest way to start. I can't believe it. Remember blogging. You won Mm -hmm. it. What year did you win that Australian award? I think it was. I think it was back in 2011. 2011, you won Blogger of crazy. the Year. Australian oh my Blogger gosh. of the Year. Yeah, that's yeah right. crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then vlogging kind of came along. In your humble opinion, what's the next big thing? Have we seen it yet? Is it even here? No, it's still ha- it's happening. It's very much a focus on video content. Podcasting and video content is um, are the two things, and I can't see what's tumble- what's trumping those at the moment. So even on your platforms like Instagram, they've been heavily influenced by TikTok. So it's all about the reels um, or um, even over longer form videos. I think I always have looked at how all those trends and definitely participating in the reels on Instagram has on both our label platform and styling new platform has helped us to get more visibility in um, the Instagram feed. But um, also videos aren't for everybody. Um, People love podcasts because you can do other things. Shout out to anyone who's doing the cleaning while you're listening to this. Um, and right. I, and Walking I know or driving. Or... Yes, yes. <laughs> you can be doing something else while learning or being entertained, and I feel like that's good. Um, so those two things, podcasts and videos, I feel um, are here to stay for quite some time. Um, even my husband started listening to podcasts, which I never thought would happen. he's adorable I look forward to the next time the four of us get to catch up and whether it's up here on the Sunshine Coast or down in Brizzy I just I really I really admire you my friend and I'm incredibly proud of you and I do believe that you are certainly quietly probably unknowingly um, I would like you to accept the, the fact that you are one of my greatest role models oh right back at you (laughs) <laughs> that mutual MAS, Mutual Admiration Society, um, Mutual Mentoring Society it should be yeah, because I think that's the, the circle of mentoring is quite a powerful one that where, you, where you don't know whether you're being the mentoree or the mentor at any one time. I think it all just melds into one. I totally agree. And to finish up today, my friend, what would be your favourite quote at the moment? Not just at the moment, but for many, many years. And this came from our mutual friend, Simone Merlot. Um, Pressure makes diamonds. 
Uh, wow, we know that that's suitable to her entirely. She has also been a beautiful mentor of both of ours and gorgeous woman inside and out. I love seeing her model your clothes and emcee your events. You two are like peas in a pod, really, and it's a treat to be mm. in your company, especially and there's a little glass or two of bubbles. So <laughs> thank you, my beautiful friend. Is there anything final you would like to say to our gorgeous listener? Thanks, Kim. Thanks for having me. Delight, my friend. Take care and have a beautiful day. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.